All right, here we go. Shkoyach everybody for uh, being flexible with me <laughs> and the, the travel schedule as we come to you from uh, LAX, spreading uh, Tyra wherever we are, Baruch Hashem. So today's daf is daf Chav Zayin, page 27, in the Hilgi Mesachis Baba Kama. And we pick up from the Omar Rabbah. Baruch Hashem, we're going to be zaycheh to finish the second parak of Baba Kama. And we continue to go through different teachings of Rabbah. Um, as they pertain to chiyuvim, uh, to obligations, when it comes to uh, as far as damages are are concerned. Now, specifically, the category of damages that we're we're uh, dealing with is when somebody starts a process of damage and somebody else comes along and completes the process, which means it would have happened technically anyway, but somebody else is now coming uh, uh, is going ahead and hastening. The, the damage so how we consider that and who's go, ultimately going to be responsible so here we go the Omar Rabbah and Rabbah said this is Rabbah's the first word seven lines from the top of the Yomud okay again Chavzai Nomad Allah the Omar Rabbah and Rabbah says Nof if somebody fell from on top of a roof Veniska Haisha and the, uh, there's a woman lying down uh, underneath where he fell. She cushions his fall, but he damages her. He's going to be obligated on four types of uh, of damaging. Okay. Um, okay, now get ready for this. Now this is obviously a case which uh, would be rare, if not impossible to happen, but it doesn't matter because the Gemara always brings cases whether or not it actually would happen, but to solidify how we view, uh, you know, how we view such a thing in halacha. So, if somebody were to fall off a roof, and technically, let's say, for somehow, some way, he his aver, his male organ, enters the um, enters a woman, enters the woman in a way of intercourse from falling off a roof. So, it's not intended intercourse. It's uh, it's mistaken intercourse. The halacha is If the woman who he fell on top of happens to be his yavama, which is acquired with intercourse, this is not considered an act of acquisition. Okay, such a uh, if if that were to happen, they would not be acquired. Says the Gemara, The four things he is obligated for is damage, pain, medical bills, and loss of work. But if he falls on top of her and she gets embarrassed, loy. He's not paying for that part of embarrassment. This usually, if you hurt another human, you have to pay uh, five, right? You have to include the four we just listed plus for embarrassment. Over here, there's no embarrassment. Tetnan, because we learned in the Mishnah, you only pay when you damage somebody and cause them embarrassment if there's kabana, if there is intention. And also, by the way, when it comes to Yavama, even though generally she's got she's uh, acquired with intercourse. But over here, it's not a. There's no. There's no kavana at all. There's no intention, and therefore he does not acquire the avama with that. Uh, with that act, okay. The Rabba and Rabba taught us as well. Nafal If somebody falls falls off a roof, because there's a wild, crazy wind, unexpected. It's abnormal. And you're standing on top of a roof, a crazy wind comes and blows him off the hizik, and he damages somebody, ubiesh. 
and uh, there's, there's embarrassment. Says the Gemara, Chayav al Nezek, Upatr Badal Dvar. Then you're Chayav on damage because Adam Mu'ad La'ilam, a person's always in the status of a, a Mu'ad. However, you're not going to be obligated from any of the other things. Now, in the first case, you fell off a roof in a normal way. It was a Ruach Metsuya, it was normal. So we're going to obligate uh, damage, pain, uh, loss, of, uh, loss of work. And uh, um, and medical bills, but we just don't obligate you an embarrassment because there's no intention. Now, if if you fell off a roof because of a wild occurrence, it's a, what's called a ruach she'ina metzuya, an abnormal wind that caused this to happen. Then I'm only obligated for damage because I'm a mood, but the other ones I'm not obligated on. However, beruach metzuya, if let's say he fell off from a, a normal wind vehizik ubiish, and he damaged the person as well as embarrass the person. So then, like we learned before, Chaya of Bedaladvarim, you're obligated on damage, pain, medical bills, and loss of work. Upatra alabaishas. We don't have to pay for embarrassment, again, because that was not your intention. You only pay for embarrassing somebody when it was your intention. However, let's say somebody's falling off a roof, and he's face down, and in order to protect himself, he doesn't want to hit the floor face down, so he flips himself over in, uh, in midair. So now he purposely fell in that way. In such a case, um, you're going to be obligated for everything. Because even though you didn't intend to damage the person, you intended to fall in that way, and that caused damage. The time we learned to the when it says somebody sends forth her hand, any idea shezika? Don't I know shezika? Don't I know that we're dealing with where she uh, she grabbed him? I'll explain in this case in a moment. You're obligated for embarrassment, even if you uh, even if you had no intention to embarrass, you only had intention to damage. Embarrassment's going to be added to the tab. So what's happening over here? So here's what's happened. The the Torah is a verse in the Torah. The Torah gave us an interesting case. You have two men who are fighting, okay, and two men are fighting. A woman sticks her nose in to defend her husband, okay. And part of what she does to defend her husband is she grabs the other guy involved in the fight in a way which is embarrassing. She's damaging him and she grabs him in a way that is embarrassing. So you see from over here that she, we, we say she's obligated to pay for, dam- for, for embarrassment even. Why? What was her whole goal? Her goal was just to protect her husband. It wasn't embarrassed. The guy just happened to be. She grabbed him in a place that's embarrassing. So you see from over here, as long as you had intention to damage, that itself obligates you on everything, even in, even embarrassment. Okay. Via by Rabba, and Rabba taught us as well. Okay. If somebody puts a hot coal on the heart of somebody else, umes, and the guy dies, the halacha is putter. You're not obligated. Okay. Says Rashi, why not? Because this fellow who had the hot coal on his chest, on his heart, was not tied down, and he could have removed the coal. So you did something that was obviously terrible, but the guy had the ability to remove the coal. Since he didn't, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be high of Misa. Okay. Why? Because the victim also, we're going to say, uh, played some sort of role in his own death. Al big Let's say I put it on top of the 
beged, the garment of the victim, and the garment gets burnt, chayev, then I'm going to be uh, obligated even if the guy could have removed, uh, even if he could have removed the coal. Okay? Now Rashi says a big chiddush over here. If you want to see this, this is so interesting, which the Gemara is going to explain. But Rashi says the difference between the two is... Um, um, Kavash, where is that? Hinyachlegacheles. This is maybe uh, ten lines from the end of Rashi on this parak. The first one line is chayuf. Why, when you put a coal on somebody's garment, are you going to be obligated? Now, we're assuming the case is the same, where he could have removed the coal. So this is an interesting, Rashi. Rashi says you're still going to be obligated. To halay solka, because you he wasn't removed. Savar is why didn't the victim remove it? You know why? If it's coming to his life, we'll say to the victim, remove it. What are you doing, killing yourself? But when it comes to a garment, maybe the victim has a right to not remove the coal. He'll say, listen, the guy already burnt my garment. I'll sue him in court. I'll make my money back. And you have a right to do that. I find this Rashi fascinating because what Rashi is letting us on to is that there is times we're, as a... As a uh, damager, we say to you, listen, it doesn't matter if the victim could have done, you know, uh, gotten out of it, you're still responsible. And there's fine, and, and there's times, which, as Gamar's pointing out right now, is that it's the opposite, where so I'm hurting somebody or I'm damaging somebody. The, 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 the party that's victimized is not always responsible to go out of the way to not be damaged. Sometimes a, a, a victimized party is permitted to go ahead, stay the course, take par for the course, and say, listen, you know, whatever's happening now is happening, and I'll make sure to take care of this in, uh, in the court of law. Okay. Says the Gemara, Amar Rava, Rava says, Tarvayu, uh, uh, tarvayu both of these halachas, Tanani, were learned out in a Mishnah, Alibai. The halacha that if you place it on the heart and the guy could have removed it, he didn't. Your potter, you're not chayiv misa. The Tanah we learned in Mishnah Kabbash alav l'seicha or if somebody um, uh, if somebody put somebody else's body next to a flame, or l'seicha mayim, or he holds him down in the waters, now he's going to be drowned. Veini achal alis misham. The guy's not able to get out of it. Vameis and he dies. So then chayiv. Then you're obligated. I mean, you're you're a murderer. Um, what if you push somebody into the fire? And the person had the ability to get out, but for whatever reason they didn't. So then, Potter, you're not Chayav Misa. Now, obviously, we're not saying what you did wasn't wrong and that you're a terrible person, but we're dealing with the actual, uh, you know, actual Chiyuvim over here. So you see clearly from a Mishnah that if you ever have a chance for the victim to remove the thing that's causing his death, we obligate the victim to do that. So that's explicitly in the mission. Hence, if I put a coal on somebody's heart and they could have removed it, the guy dies, Allah is, I'm potter. Why am I going to be chayav if I do this to his garment? If somebody says, um, he tore, uh, I'm sorry, if I say to you, please tear my shirt or please break my pitcher, and now you do that, 
says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, he's chayav to pay for damages. Okay, why? why? Didn't you tell me to do it? Well, what's happening over here? So if you look at five lines from the end of Rashi, the what I'm telling you when I say tear my garment, im kara You, you're welcome to do it, but you'll pay. But if I say to you, listen, tear it, but you're not obligated, then I'm putter. So sometimes people talk to each other in a way of a dare. You tell somebody, hey, go ahead. You want to mess with me? Go ahead. You want to tear my shirt? Go ahead. Does that mean that you're going to be putter? No. It's just that, listen, it's a free world. You want to be a damager? Be a damager. I'm going to come after you in the court of law. It doesn't mean that uh, that I'm not obligated. You come to court of law. He told me to tear my shirt? No. There's times where it's just... I'm not telling you to tear my shirt, but you're, you're, you're threatening or whatever. And I'm like, listen, Hakachainik, you know, you're bringing on a teapot over here. If you want to mach sugar, go tear my shirt. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hold you liable in court. Um, big day, when it comes to a garment, the Tanan Karas Ksusi, Shavar Eskadi Chayev. I'm going to ask lift our putter, brother. If he says, tear it on condition, you're going to be putter. So I say explicitly that I want you to do it. And you're not going to be Chayev, and you'll be putter. So then, you're taka putter. So I say to you, please tear my shirt. You're like, I don't want to tear your shirt. You're going to come after me in the court of law. And I'm like, no, don't worry, you'll be putter. I just need help tearing this shirt. I need some new shmatas, and I just feel weird with my shirt uh, being whole. Uh, using it as a shmata, I prefer to have a tear in it, you know, whatever. So, okay, you'll be butter. So then you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be chayv. Boy, Rabba. Rabba asked a question searching for information. What if somebody puts a coal on somebody's evid, the heart of somebody's evid? What is that lucha? Does look like, is it considered like you put the, the coal on his body? Or is it like you're putting on his property? Which we know there's a difference between body and property when it comes to chiyuv, right? If you if you view it as the body, you'd be chiyuv misa. If you view it as property, then uh, then you're going to be. Uh, I'm sorry. If you're viewing it as bodies, then yeah, you're chiyuv misa and you're putter from paying. If you view it as a garment, you're going to be chiyuv to pay. So hadar pashte, Rabbi answered his question. Abde kegufa An evet is like your body, and an ox is like your property. Okay, so bottom line, we find that um, that uh, the uh, you know how we view a slave, we view it like uh, we view it like property, and if we view it like property, it's going to the you know we're, we're going to call this an injury that's being a, like listen, go ahead, injure you, know, you want to injure my evidence, injure my evidence. I'm going to come after you again in the court of law. Hadron Allah kates at regal, Hadron Allah kates at regal, Hadron Allah kates at regal. Beautiful, Mazeldov. Everybody finished the second parak of Babakaba, and now we move on to the third parak. Okay, and we uh, enter a category that Baruch Hashem we're already familiar with, and uh, d- describing different types of damages which take place in a public domain and damages as well, which take place in the private domain. So here we go. If somebody places a pitcher into a public domain, and somebody comes by, somebody else comes by, not only does that person break it, but guess what? They trip over it and get hurt. Now, Lacha is Chayef. I'm sorry, Potter. 
the one walking by does not have to pay for the pitcher. Why? What's your pitcher doing in Rosh Hashanah where people are supposed to be walking by? That's how we'll understand it right now, and the Gemara will get into this later. Ritz Hashem later on today's daf. That's as far as who pays for the pitcher. But what about the one who tripped on the pitcher and now got hurt too? So he doesn't have to pay for the pitcher. The one who tripped doesn't have to pay for the pitcher. Does the owner of the pitcher who put the stumbling block in the public domain and now is causing hurt, does he have to pay? So, uh, The owner of the barrel is obligated to pay for damages. What's the obvious question? What did the Mishnah start out saying was left in the public domain? A pitcher. At the end it says, the owner of the barrel. What's the difference between a pitcher and a barrel? Size. Okay? So the Gemara wants to clarify over here. We start out giving a case of pitchers. We end up giving a case of barrels. What's going on? Utananami. And you should know the same problem of changing a case in the middle of the halacha uh, explanation takes place in a Mishnah as well. The Mishnah says like this, Zeba b'chavisai. If somebody walks into a public domain with a barrel, Zeba b'kurasai. If somebody else is walking into a public domain with his beam. Okay? Classic stuff. Classic stuff. Which is, everybody's got a right to be in a public domain and everybody's carrying their stuff through. It's necessary. So, one guy's coming with a barrel, one guy's coming with a beam. And guess what? Boink, they bang into each other. If the barrel, if the if the uh, pitcher, uh, what was brought? A barrel. And then it says, if the pitcher of this breaks on the beam, this shouldn't make sense to us. Is everybody confused? Where's the pitcher? One guy walked in with a barrel, one guy walked in with a beam. If the pitcher breaks through the beam, putter. The owner of the beam is putter. Now this should bother us because we don't know where, where the pitcher was there from. Pasach bechavis v'siyem bekad. Says the Gemara, you started out with a, with a barrel and you ended up with a pitcher case. Same problem. In our Mishnah we changed from a pitcher to a barrel. And in that Mishnah they changed from a barrel to a pitcher. And listen to this. Utnanami, we learned in the Mishnah as well. Zabba Chavisa Shiai. One guy's coming with a barrel full of wine. Vizeba Bekadai Shaldvash. And one guy's coming with a pitcher of honey. Nistika Chavishaldvash. The barrel of honey broke. <laughs> we just said it was a pitcher. So the guy says, oh, one second, your thing broke, you're going to lose all your honey. I'll tell you what, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to pour all my wine out because I'm the only one that has a receptacle here. Yours is cracked. And I'm going to pour out my wine and caught all your honey there. So the owner of the wine can only demand schar. He can only demand uh, a payment for his time. Okay. Payment for his time and payment for rental of his barrel. He can't demand payment for his uh, for his wine. Again, we change the case from um, 
pitcher to barrel. Okay. So, three different situations. Our Mishnah, the Mishnah seemed to be changing pitcher and barrel like with no discretion. Just like, hey, pitcher, barrel, pitcher, barrel. Amar of Papa, of Papa says, Stop being bothered. I'll tell you why. A barrel's a pitcher. Aye, so why do we keep changing words? Same thing. No, it's the same thing. Not a barrel's a pitcher. I know a pitcher's a pitcher and a barrel's a barrel. But the word chavis and the word uh, the, the word kad can mean can mean barrel. It's interchangeable. Why do I change it though in the Mishnayis? If it's interchangeable, why are we switching it? Why are we changing the word? So we'll say that uh, that. Uh, maybe it's there to teach me specifically this halacha, that it's the same thing. And Zdafka is specifically interchanging it. Let us know there's no difference. Says Gemara, Lamai Nafkamina. Okay. If you're going to tell me that a kad is a chavis, what's a practical nafkamina that's going to come out? If I tell you I'm going to sell you a chavis and I end up giving you a kad, or I tell you a kad and I end up giving you a chavis, it's not considered. Um, it's not considered a, a mistake, and you can't have a, you can't complain one about the other. He says Gemara, what are we talking about? If we don't, what are you talking about? Says Gemara. Pause. We have two Hebrew words, or Aramaic, Aramaic and Hebrew, Chavis and Kad. Okay, says Gemara. Same thing. What's an Afkamina? Mekachumemkar. Okay, if I tell him I'm you a Kad, I give you a Chavis. If I tell him I'm you a Chavis, I give you a Kad. Says Gemara. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? If you live in a city. Where people call a chavis one thing and a kad something else. Let's say I live in a town where they don't use these words interchangeably. When I say chavis, I mean a barrel. When I say kad, I mean a pitcher. So a pitcher is not a barrel. You cannot interchange it when you sell something. If I expect you to give me a barrel, you can't give me a pitcher. Nothing to talk about. So why do I care? That a kad and a chavis could be interchangeable words. If that's not my understanding, it's not interchangeable. Most people call a kad a pitcher, and most people call a barrel a chavis. Okay. And then there are some that switch it around. Some that switch it around. Okay. Mahu the tema I would have said Zilbasaruba, you follow what most people do and you cannot interchange it. Kamash therefore the Khidish of Rav Papa is um, uh, therefore the Khidish is the Ain Hokimbamam and Acharif. Yeah, we don't follow the majority. Hence, even if most of the people call a barrel of chavis and a kata pitcher, it doesn't matter. If there are some people that utilize the words differently. It's not going to be considered a mekachtois. It's not going to be considered a uh, a uh, trick, and it's going to be a valid sale. If I give you a pitcher when I say chavis, or I give you a barrel when I say kad. Okay, two dots. Second line, top line, last word of chavzayin of a base. Okay, so what happens? Our mission is said the beginning of our parak. Somebody put a kad. Somebody put a vessel in a public domain. And somebody else trips on it and breaks it. What's the halacha? He's putter. Okay. 
Am I putter? If I trip on your pitcher and I break it, why am I putter? You're a person. Use your eyes. Be careful. What's your excuse? Says the Gemara. I'll tell you where it happened. I had no other options. You put your stuff in a way. Now this here it says like you filled it up. It's referring basically the Gemara is answering very simply. You're right. If I could have been more careful and not broken it, maybe I would be responsible. But you placed your pitcher or pitchers in a way where like I, I, I could it wasn't easy for me to go around it. It wasn't so clear what else I'm supposed to do. Hence, in such a case, you're going to be potter. Amri, um, Shmuel Amar, Shmuel says, Maybe it was dark. Yeah, we're dealing where the pitcher in the Shisram was around the corner, and I walk around the corner, and I, and I didn't see the pitcher. So you don't tell me to be more careful. Basically, your pitcher was hiding behind the corner. Okay, so again, the Gemara asked the question, why when I break a pitcher in a public domain should I not be obligated? The mice be more careful. So we have three possible approaches. Rav says, I had no way around it. Shmuel says, it was dark. Bichin says, it was around the corner. Amar Papa, Ella, our Mishnah makes the most sense to explain it like, uh, Shmuel and Rabbi Echanan, that either was dark or around the corner. Why? The Ikarav, if you're going to explain it like Rav, that the, the barrel's filling up the Rosh Hashanah, Ma'ir Yaniska, why does it say the one who stumbles on it? Afilu Shavarnami, anytime, you know, it doesn't have to be you stumbled. Even if I broke it on purpose, I'm not going to be obligated because if, if I, I have a right to walk in a public domain, you're putting your pictures in a way that is removing my ability to walk. You can't do that. You have no right to do that. I have a right to this area. I have a right to utilize this location. And if you're going to fill pictures, not only not only would I be putter if I stumble, I would even be putter if I purposely break it. You're stealing the public space. I have no way around this. Since the Mishnah only says you're off the hook when you stumble, it must be we're not dealing where it was full of, it was full of barrels, but we're dealing with specifically where it was either dark or not noticeable because it was around the corner. Okay. Says the Gemara, Amar of Zvid, Mishmei the Rav of Zvid, says name of Rav, you should know who Adin Afilu Shavar, when using Rav's explanation, that the Rosh Ram is full of barrels, that the Mishnah says stumble, not to tell me that if I do it on purpose, I'm Chayef. No. But I, really, I'm, I'm Potter anyway. I'm putter anyway. Even if I do it on purpose, Rav agrees I'm off the hook. So why did I say stumble? This is we said you're putter when you stumble in the public domain. I need to buy the Mr. Safer. Since at the end of the Mishnah we save him. If the guy who got tripped got hurt, the owner of the pitcher is obligated in damage, it means this is when the guy stumbled, the owner of the pitcher is going to be chayev. Avoshavar but let's say I purposely break the barrel. And then I get hurt by the barrel. Then, like, the owner of the barrel is not obligated to pay me. No, Rob's going to say it like this. You could break it. Purp- on purpose. It's taking up the public domain. You could break it. Yeah, the guy's got a right to put it there. I agree to that. But I'll tell you why it says stumble. Because since the end of the mission says, if you get hurt by it, 
the owner of the pitcher is chayov, that's only if you stumble. That's how we give the case of stumble. But if I were to purposely break it and then get hurt by it, the owner of the, of the uh, pitcher is not chayov. My time, who did zikanavshe? We'll say the guy who the guy who uh, broke it on purpose uh, hurt himself. Katani and that's why we we only bring down the case of stumbling in the beginning as well. I'll tell you another reason why if there's a picture in a public domain, we're not going to say to the guy, you should have walked around. Another rule, and that is when people are, are traveling on highways and byways, yet when people are, are just going... They have a, they, they're using their ways, they're, using, they're relying on their horses to go about uh, their business, and the, the, they're not checking every last inch of the public domain. They're, they're simply not doing that. There's going to be stuff that's, uh, that's in the road that people simply are not going to see, and you're actually not responsible to see every last thing that's in a public domain. Hence, says Rav Abba, no, don't tell me that, oh, why you putter for breaking it? You should have been more careful. No, you're not obligated to be more careful. Okay? Story. There's a story in Arda. Some guy left a picture in the public domain. The guy, Somebody came by and broke it. And Shmuel said he had to pay for the picture. The Pompadisa. Bechayev Rav. Rav also. In Pompadisa, same story. Rav said the guy who broke the picture is Chayev. Bishlamal Shmuel. I get why Shmuel says that when you break it, according to Shmuel, because Shmuel says, listen, if it's not dark, you should have uh, you should have been more careful. According to Rav, yeah, do we say Rav agrees with Shmuel's understanding of the Mishnah? That he was dealing with something which was placed near the corner of a wine press. Okay, what does that mean? So, since the owner of the barrels or the pitchers were uh, were acting with permission, okay, they're acting with permission. He could have been more careful. Okay, what does this mean? This is this is foundational. Foundational. Not every part of a public domain is created equal. Which means anybody who's ever driven on a highway and there's a little bit of traffic knows that the traffic patterns generally shift around exits. Around an exit, the traffic pattern generally shifts, for better or for worse, right? Sometimes it speeds up. Sometimes it speeds up. Sometimes it slows down. Very often when you have an exit ramp entering the highway, so the right lane will slow down to allow those cars on. Yet when you get near an exit for people getting off the highway the right lane sometimes will be moving faster. You just have to understand traffic patterns. That's what we're saying over here as well. Public domains, you're right. Nobody should be putting out jugs. Nobody should be putting out barrels. However, there's parts of a public domain that are near wine presses, that are near shopping centers, that are near the, that you could expect that there's a different traffic pattern over there. There may be a hazard on the side of the road and, and where you need to be more careful. And therefore, Rav Papa says, where's this halacha where we're going to obligate the, the guy in the public domain? That's when it's near an olive press. 
and even if you're going to tell me that in general people don't need to be careful in the public domain, near other people's where things are being done, you do need to be more careful. It's not just a blanket off the hook. There's different parts of public domains where you, you, you are expected to be more cognizant of, uh, of the roadways. Yeah. If if uh, somebody hurt, hurts somebody else, lerachuva um, on the knee, so he has to pay shalish. He has to pay three sela. Ulebeita if he got damaged from kicking, chamish. You have to be five sela. Vilis naikeres, and if let's say uh, you hit them with something with hard leather. Uh, which is referring to the saddle. You hit somebody with a saddle. Shleishesrei. You have to be thirteen sela. Lepanda demara ulekofina demara mai. Says Gemara. What happens basically if you you start hitting the guy with shovels and spoons and all sorts of farming material? How much do you need to pay? Uh, how much do you need to pay them? Okay. Now this payment specifically that we're talking about is payment for. Busha for embarrassment, okay, for embarrassment. So you're collecting knas and bavel. Tell me what's going on. You're really not supposed to be uh, paskening on fines in bavel, but you know, next time you have a story, uh, Rav Nachman said to Rav Chista, send it over to me. So he sent to him Dahu Gargusa. There was a uh, there was a well. There were two partners that owned the well. And uh, every day, uh, the, a, a different one would come and have rights to the water that was in the well. One of the partners came along and he, uh, he took water on a day that wasn't his. The guy says to him, It's my turn. It's, it's my day. You have no right to take water. Yeah, that's mine. And the first guy ignores him. Shakal panda demara. So he went and took his big shovel, and he gave him a clap. He gave him a patch. And now the shaila is: How much does he have to pay him for the uh, embarrassment and damages? He says he doesn't have to pay anything, even if he hits him a hundred times. This guy stealing his water. He's allowed to give him a patch. With a shovel, okay? He, he, he doesn't have to pay uh, anything. Why? You're allowed to stop somebody from stealing your stuff. Even according to the opinion that a person cannot take matters of uh, din, financial matters, into his own hand. So what right do you have to hit him? I'll just tell you, go to court. When there's going to be further loss, you are permitted... To take matters into your own hands. Chavra, I want to tell you something. I got into trouble as a parent in school, but uh, I, I, I stand by my words, um, even though to the teacher I didn't. But I learned this. Rav Shleimov, my father, told me a story that he heard from Rav Shleimov Volba. Rav Volba, I believe, passed away 2006, 2007 or so. And maybe it was earlier, I don't remember. 
the last last couple decades. Um, master, master, Balmusser, understanding people like to a T. So one of the mashki, one of the Talmidim, one of the students of Revolba came to him. He was an American guy who made Aliyah, moved to Eretz Yisrael. And his kids were like a young American kids, very, uh, very tender, very delicate, didn't really know how to stand up for themselves in school. And they started getting bullied by some of the tougher Israeli kids. Okay, not every Israeli kid is tough, but you could have, it's a different, it's a different culture. It's a different culture. These kids were being pushed around a little bit. So he came to Rav Shlomo Volba. He says, Rebbe, what do I tell my kid? How do I give my kid chizuk? So Rav Volba said, tell your kid, next time somebody touches him, to slug him. Punch him in the face. That's it. He's like, what? He's like, yeah. Your kid has to learn to stand up for himself. If they're physically hurting him by recess or whatever, you tell them to punch him. Get a, they'll stop. Okay. So I had this where with one of, with a couple of my kids, but one specifically, there was another child in the class. It was a, a younger grade, done with a first or second grade age. And I had one child that was really physically being picked on by another child. I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but my child would come home crying. And I would, for a few times, I would tell my child, go talk to your teacher. If it happens, go talk to the teacher. And my child would come back and say, I told the teacher, and the teacher talks to the kid, and the kid doesn't stop. And my kid was coming home with scratches, like, like scratches on their arms, scratches on their face, scratches. So I said, okay, listen, you're doing the right thing by telling your teacher. Next time, forget your teacher. If this, if this kid touches you, slug him. That's it. The, mo- the moment they get near you, just punch him. And my kid did that. Punched him. My kid said, what if I get sent to the principal? I said, the principal will call me. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I said, I got you back. Don't worry. So this happened. This happened. This happened. Two days later, it happened again. And this kid was picking on, uh, this kid in the class was picking on, on my kid. My kid gave him a hard punch in the arm, a hard punch, and, they, and my child got sent to the principal. So the, they, they, uh, they asked my child, why'd you, why'd you punch? So my child said, because my father told me to. So they told my child that they don't believe him. <laughs> Your father would never tell you to punch somebody. <laughs> so my child came home and said, the principal didn't believe me. I said, okay, fine. I'm glad they don't believe you. But... Where does this come from? I'm, I'm still right. I, I, I wouldn't back off. And every child has to know this. There's a certain point you do, you, you, you go for help as much as you at a certain point. You've got to take matters into your own hand. How do we know that? This, mamish this Gemara. Mamish this Gemara. Says the Gemara, what we just learned, even if in general you say that a person should not take loy of it in dina when it comes to financial matters, when it comes to taking care of yourself, you, you shouldn't take matters. Go go through the ro- the, the, the regular circuit. Go, go through the courts. Go let them handle it. If there's if it's going to cause a loss to a person, you don't have to allow that loss to happen. If somebody actively is taking something from you, you don't have to allow them to actively take it from you. You slug him. And therefore, says of Nachman, the guy who hit him does not obligate it to pay anything. 
You don't have to pay. The guy is actively taking something for you. This that we say, don't take matters into your own hand, is after the fact, when it's already done. So now go to court. But before the fact, to stop somebody, you're allowed to stop somebody. That, that you're allowed to do. You're allowed to slug him. You're allowed to take a shovel. You're allowed to hit them. You're not going to be chayv de'mar, because we learned. If you know, Amar says, Lav, law of a person in general should not take matters into, uh, into their own hands. Rav Nachman over you could. If, you're going to, if there's a loss taking place, everybody agrees you could take matters into your own hand. Where's there, where's there a dispute? If there's no further loss, so now we have a now we have a discussion whether or not you're allowed to take action on your own. So Rabbiuda, Amar Rabbiuda will say, in such a case you cannot take matters into your own hand. There's no further loss to the person, so wait for Bezdin. Go in front of the teacher. You go to the judge, you say to the teacher, listen, this kid's hurting me, this person's taking my water. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, no. Since you're acting according to law, you do not have to allow yourself to be taken advantage of, financially, physically. I'm not obligated to trouble myself to wait to get hurt, and wait to take a loss, and now go to Bezdin uh, and go to the principal afterwards. Okay? So that's the, that's the uh, two different approaches as to whether or not Ovid Inish Dina Dinafshei. We're going to hold it here for today. We're going to pick up with a challenge, and this is going to take us well on to tomorrow's daf, which this is going to be the topic. The topic, again, a beautiful and, and really all encompassing, it, it really applies to so many areas of our lives. A topic of if, so, if somebody's being harmed, at what point do we allow the person to be the one to stand up for themselves as opposed to having to go through the regular system? we'll call it, to, to uh, protect themselves. Okay, we'll hold it here. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Have